his word, don't we? Well, y'all ever been at a crossroads? Yes. Yeah, too. And uh, I'm kind of at one tonight. I got two messages and I can only preach one. I don't do that often. Usually I'm settled. Maybe we ought to just talk a little bit. Is everybody feeling good tonight? Amen. Glad. Um, trust his word. So let me ask this. We had a 58 model. Who else? Can, do we have anybody that's, that got saved before 1958? Is there anybody here got saved before? Miss Jane Keel and Miss Harris and Miss Adams. What a blessing. Can I ask you ladies this question? Is he still good? Hey. <laughs> he's still good? Yep. I'm thankful for that. How many of y'all believe he's still good no matter how long you say how been how long you've been saved? He is. He's been faithful, hasn't he? And I'm thankful for that. I want to be human tonight. I think I'm just gonna be human. I was gonna preach out of Matthew and uh, preach on Sheep with no shepherd, but I want to get a little bit more personal. Let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 4 tonight. 2 Timothy chapter 4. This is very unusual, very unlike me. But these are just some little thoughts that I've picked up and I want to share them with you tonight. It's not a flaming sermon. It's not going to be one of those that we might uh, say that was a, a message with uh, all of the alliterated points and but we're going to just look at scripture tonight. We're going to just take the verses and look at them. I'll tell you what, let's just read the whole chapter. 2 Timothy chapter 4. I want to say and I want to preface this. We're told, history tells us, that while Paul is writing this epistle, the executioner is wetting the edge of the axe that's going to sever his head from his body. These are the last recorded words of Paul. That's what we're told in 2 Timothy. History tells us that these are his last words. Now, I don't know about you, but if I know I'm getting ready and I'm fixing to die, I can promise you this, I'm not going to be talking about a lot of stuff that doesn't make much difference. I know that's true because... I've been at the presence and by the bedside of people that know they're going to die. They've just been told. And I've never heard a one at that moment in life talk about frivolous things. I never have. It's very important things. I can remember when my grandfather was dying, my grandpa Brandon, his eyes were set and he was a man that was not easy to talk to about the Lord. And uh, he was in the hospital, and the only thing he worried about and cared about at that moment was where he was going and the relationship with his family. That was it. He didn't talk about all the cars he owned. He didn't talk about the, the apartments that he rented. And to be honest with you, he never talked about the many girlfriends that he had through his life. When it was narrowed down to where he knew and we all kind of knew that his time was short. Now, he shocked us that night. I didn't believe he was going to pass that night, but he did. And he wasn't talking about anything important. So I would think, and I've been in the presence of others, that going to die within days or hours, and so have you, they're not talking about frivolous things. And we've been told this, and we know this, but, you know, usually if a man's last words are going to be pretty important words. So I want to preface that as we read this 
chapter because these are really what we would consider the very last words that we know is recorded in God's word of the Apostle Paul. So I bring all that up just to kind of get you to understand the, the, the heaviness or the leverage that we're trying to talk about thinking about this passage. So he knows he's going to die, so these are his last words. Let's look at it like that. Look at chapter 4, verse 1. Notice how confident he is and really how very leadership, how pressing he is. He doesn't use words like, well, I hope you will. I want you to notice he says, I charge thee. That's a command. I charge thee, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word, be instant, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine for the time will come, and by the way we're here, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn, notice this, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. Now we know that he's speaking to the young man Timothy. Notice here, here's why we know that these are his last words. He knows his fate, he knows what's getting ready to happen. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. He knows it. I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. I want to just give a little teaching thought here. He's not saying, and I thought for years Paul was being boastful and saying and confident that he had fought a good fight. That's not what he's saying here, that he had fought the fight well. He's saying, I've been in a good fight, it's been worth fighting. He says, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day and not to me only but unto all them also that love his appearing. Now he gets very personal. He's talking to Timothy now in a very personal way. He's he's revealing his heart. Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. In other words, if that was our language, you'd say hurry up and get here. I want you to be around me. I, want you, I need you to be with me. Why? Verse 10. For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed to Thessalonica, Christians to Galatia, Titus unto Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. I love this. Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. And Tychicus have I sent to Ephesus. The cloak that I left at Trails with Carpus when thou comest. Now here's very human. This is, I love this. I'm going to talk about this tonight. The cloak that I left at Trails with Carpus when thou comest. Notice this. Bring with thee. And the books. <laughs> but especially the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works. Of whom be thou where also, for he hath greatly withstood our words. At my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. 
What a beautiful man. I pray God that it may not be laid to their charge. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me that by me the preaching might be fully known and that all the Gentiles might hear and I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. And the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Salute. Of course, we know this is Priscilla. Priscilla and Aquila and the household of Onesiphorus, Onesiphorus, Erastus, abode at Corinth. I thought this was interesting. Trophimus, have I left at Miletum sick? That's another just little tidbit of just being human. If God desired to heal everybody, he could have healed him, right? Now we know that God does heal people through the prayer of the faith, but I don't believe in any man can heal another man. I'm thankful for the wisdom and the talent and the skill of doctors and the medical achievements that we have. But ultimately, I'm going to tell you who we're going to leave those people's bodies in is the hand of the Lord. Miss Betty, when I walked away from Sharpie the other night, he was a very sick man. I'm going to be honest, I was concerned about him. And I walked away from that hospital concerned because I'd never seen Sharpie like that. He was extremely weak. You could tell he was very, very sick. And I said, he's a man's man and strong. And I'm going to tell you what, but I just walked in there on the very next day, the very next day, and the nurse was tending to him. But when I walked through, I just got a glimpse of him sitting up in the bed through the curtain, and I immediately, my heart came to me. I said, boy, I'm not a doctor, but he looks a whole lot better. And when I got in his room, he said, thank everybody for praying. The Bible says in verse 21, do thy diligence to come before winter. Eubulus greeteth thee, and Pudens, and Linus, and Claudia, and all the brethren. The Lord Jesus Christ be with thy spirit. Grace be with you, amen. Last words recorded by Honestly, probably the greatest, greatest soldier for the cross. Heavenly Father, I pray you'll help us tonight. Just speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. When I think about this passage, uh, these are his last words. And I don't know if I could consider this needful things, but for some reason, the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of God, had these thoughts on his mind as he know he's going out. There's some powerful stuff here. He, he gives a charge to this young man on the front end and says, look, I charge thee, Timothy. He said, preach the word. Be instant, in season, out of season. He said, in other words, you ought to be ready to proclaim the truth at any moment in your life. By the way, I do believe that is one of the things that should be characteristic of a preacher. Now, I get it. I know that we all should have time to prepare a message. But I'm going to be honest with you. If you're called to preach, it's in there. You need to be ready to give it. Amen. No doubt. Now, I do like time, and sometimes I fail there because I just feel like sometimes I say, Hey, are you ready? And I'm, I'm working on that. But nonetheless, he said, Look, you've got to be ready to preach the word at any moment of the day. So, and he doesn't mince words with him. He says, I charge you, Timothy. I don't, I don't tell you something this should, you might do or you could do or this is something that would be best for you. Just, I charge you because you're going to stand before the judge. And he says, Preach the word, be instant, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. That's some powerful stuff. 
And he says, here's why, because there's coming a time that people are not going to be interested in what you have to say. They're going to be turned away from the truth and they'd be rather to hear some fable. They'd rather to hear some story. And I'm not being ugly here tonight, but some people would much rather hear a funny story in a sermonette than a message. Well, I tell you, we had a real blessing this morning at church. A little preacher got up and he gave about a five minute. He shared about five minutes. By the way, I think five minutes of the word of God's worth it. But I want to tell you something right now. He said, you need to be, you need to preach doctrine. We're void of doctrine today. What is doctrine? It's what we believe. It's what we hold to. What does the Bible teach? He said, be instant in season. But he said, do it with all long suffering. He said, be be patient. You have to be, and here's the thought there. And by the way, this is a helpful thing for all of us. I sometimes think when someone gets in the church, we expect them to, you know, be standing there to be completely sanctified. They got their tithing envelope in their in their pocket, you know, and they've got their little marking pins for their Bible and they're just ready to go. You know, by the way, I'm he's still working on me, they're still working on him, them. We gotta be long suffering. You know, what you have, you didn't get overnight, neither did I. Got to be long suffering, and by the way, that's tough because sometimes you just want people to get it, right? How many of you want your children to get it? You want them to get it, but sometimes we got to be long suffering in that. So he's giving him some great. I mean, this is his dying words to this young preacher. But he then he said in verse five, watching all things, endure afflictions. He said, Timothy, you're going to have to go through some rough things. You're going to have to endure those. Those aren't something that you gladly go through, laughing and smiling. He said, No, you're going to have to endure them. So he's talking to him about his toughness. Then he says, once you do the work of an evangelist, you ought to be always going around telling people about Jesus. Make foolproof. Now he says, I'm ready to be offered. My time is at hand. Then he gives us all a great promise in verse 8. He says, look, there's a crown of righteousness laid up for me. And he said, it's not just for me, but it's everyone that's looking forward. The love is appearing. But then he gets extremely personal And this is where I want to spend time tonight in verse number nine. I want to look at some things here. I I don't know if I can call this needful things, but these were obviously needful things that he felt like needed to be said and share in his last days. And I just thought it interesting. The subject matter in which he deals with, it looks a little gloomy. It looks gloomy, it has sadness in it, it has encouragement in it, it has humanity in it. Let's look at it, and then it has encouragement in it. So when we think about these needful things, I think he leaves the best for last. But let's just quickly look through this just a moment. I thought this interesting that in verse 10, under the inspiration of God, he felt it needful to write into Timothy and for us to know even today being inspired of God, this is the preserved word of God, for us to know about Demas and here's the thought, forsaking him. And I don't know about you, but if he's sitting there in that jail cell, and by the way he is, and I can promise you this, he is not in a jail cell like we would think of a jail cell today. The jail cells in that day was not of comfort. They did not have all the three-course meals or whatever. It was a very primitive state. It was damp. It was cold. It was wet. Many people died in prisons in Rome in that day because they certainly were not the exemplary people of society. They they had enough sense in that day. If they were going to treat their criminals, they certainly didn't treat them like rich people. 
They treated them like they were criminals and they wanted them to know that they were in a place that they should not live in such a way to be there. So this was not some fancy room. This was a damp, cold place. And I want you to know something. That lint, I would believe he's human. I'm human. You're human. When A dark day, a dreary, rainy day. Some people say, man, I've just had a rough day today because it's just been a rainy day. Sometimes circumstances affect people's emotional state. And you cannot tell me that Paul was not sitting there when he got to talking about Demas that it didn't bring a little bit of sadness. Why? Because he thought about this man which said earlier he was a fellow laborer with him. We find this in an earlier epistle. He said, Demas is a fellow laborer with me. He, he helped labor. He helped carry the load with Paul. But Demas has forsaken him, loving this present world. So no doubt in these last days, Paul felt some sadness because he felt sadness for people that were in the faith, serving the Lord, helping labor. But in his last days, he thought about what could have been. It brought some sadness. Why? Friends who departed. Now, I'm not trying to be pessimist tonight, and I don't want you to get depressed. But how many of you know somebody that used to be in and they're not in anymore? That brings sadness, doesn't it? We say, what in the world happened there? So he's dealing with someone that had forsook him. And by the way, we know in the Christian life, sometimes this does take place in our life. But we, here's my application here. Even though he focuses in on this man that forsook him, he still has not lost his joy nor his hope. So he dealt with this Demas, forsaking. Really, the point there is he dealt with forsaking. He wanted to bring that up, forsaking. Number two, he brought up Mark. Now this is especially beautiful to me. Verse 11, only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee. Now, if you just stopped right there, you say, okay, he's just saying, okay, bring, bring Luke. Luke's with me, but he said, here's what I want you to do. Take Mark, bring him with thee. And this last phrase is so very important. He makes a huge statement here. For he is profitable to me for the ministry. So you know what that means? There was a time for him, he was not profitable to be with him in the ministry. Something happened. Now, we don't know what all happened, but we know over in Acts chapter 15, there was such a great disputation, a dissension. And let me say, say the wording there, I, I read it just earlier today, there was no little. So I'm going to tell you what that meant. There was some real fighting going on. There was some real arguing going on. There was some real absolute struggle going on between Mark and Paul, and Barnabas. Now, here's what's beautiful about this. Barnabas took Mark. Now, we know by the name of Barnabas, and here's kind of what, I, I don't know this, but based on his name, and based on what we do know is revealed to us about Barnabas, that very word means encourager. So we know that Barnabas had to have had an influence on Mark because he encouraged him. He went with Barnabas. Paul went with Silas. They split up. And by the way, that was Paul's decision. He said, I'm not working with him. 
He was so strongly against working with Mark. He said, I'm not working with him. So Barnabas said, I'll go with him. So Paul chose Silas. And here's what's beautiful. Here's the word. Here's the two words that he was emphasizing in his last days, his last hours. Are y'all ready? When he brought Mark up and said he's profitable for the ministry, and I think this is beautiful. Two words, forgiveness and restoration. Yes. These were on his lips, these were on his heart, these were on his mind. Just before he dies. Now, I, I don't want to, I don't want to, but I want to pull this out because I believe it's true, and this is what's helped me. This was personal for Paul. Mark, Mark hurt Paul. Mark bothered Paul. I don't know what all he did, but it was so strong that the man of God, Paul, said, I'm not working with him. So it was personal. (laughs) And I'm going to be honest with you, it hurt Paul. But obviously time has passed. And obviously he's been hearing or watching or paying attention to what Mark's doing and how Mark's living. So Paul, in his very last days, said these encouraging words. Take Mark, bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. I don't know, but let's just be Mark for a moment. Could you imagine how he felt when Timothy came to Mark and said, Hey, he said, I want you to come with me. We're going to go see Paul. He said, Oh, no, I can't go see Paul. He's still upset with me. He's hurt over me. He said he didn't want to work with me. He says, no. He said, let me show you what he just said. He said, bring you specifically because you're profitable to me for the ministry. (laughs) I don't know about you, but that's pretty encouraging, isn't it? I'm glad we have a God that forgives and restores. Number three, he says in verse 11, only Luke is with me. Do you know what he's emphasizing here? His last words, his last thoughts, I don't know how long from after he wrote this that he passed, but he said, my time is at hand. We're told, history tells us that more than likely they're they're wetting the edge of the axe. He might even be hearing it on the grind. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they've given him his last meal. I don't know how all that went. But all I know based on his words in verse 6, he said, I'm now ready to be offered and the time of my departure is at hand. So I'm not doing scripture any injustice. He knows his time is short. And he brings up Luke. Now what does that represent? As I was just looking through this, and I'm trying to be human here. I'm just trying to be... Sometimes we look at these men like the Apostle Paul, like superhuman. No, he was just like us. But he brought up Luke. You know why? I believe two words came to mind when he brought Luke up. Only Luke was with me. Number one, friendship and faithfulness. I was told as a young man, said, son, you'll be able to count on probably two hands how many friends you have, real true friends you have in your lifetime. 
Now, I think I have gained more than that, and I, one reason I believe that is because I think when you're a Christian and you're in the ministry and you're working with wonderful people, and we've happened to have had the great opportunity of serving in two churches, and I'm going to be honest with you, I have many friends in West Virginia and I have many friends here. But you know, when we think about friends, when we think about faithfulness, I, I'll say this. I can't help but think that Paul is sitting there in that damp, cold room. He's dealt with forsaking. He thought about Demas. Maybe that made him sad. Then he talked about Mark. That encouraged him because he said, look, I want to bring some encouragement to this man. I want him to know that it's profitable. He's been faithful. He's working on whatever he was struggling with. I want him to know that he's restored. He's forgiven. He was encouraged by that, but even more so, I believe he was encouraged by the friend, friendship and the faithfulness of Luke. And I want to encourage y'all tonight. I believe every one of us in here tonight have good friends and faithful friends. And we ought not count our friends and our faithful friends. They ought to encourage us. And not only that... We ought to be motivated to be a good friend and faithful to our friends. Only Luke is with me. No doubt when I think of good friends, I think of good memories. So if I'm sitting there in a cold, damp cell and I'm struggling with some things, maybe I did think about Demas forsook me and I can hang on that for a little while and get discouraged. And then I get to thinking about Mark and say, man, Mark's doing a great job. So I'm starting to not only be gloomy, now I'm being a little encouraged because, man, Mark, he's, he's doing well. And then I go to Luke and say, wait a minute, Luke's with me. I have so many good memories. I mean, I, I think about Brother Donnie came off today and uh, he was just talking about a dear faithful lady that served God for years and just her faithfulness and her power, the power that she had in people's lives. And man, when you get to thinking about that, I can look back over my life and I think of people. Let me just share one with you. Um, this last, in November, I, I preached up on the mountain at Chestnut Grove Baptist Church. Well, on the first night, a man by the name of Robbie came. He pastors a church there in that area. But I grew up with him in church. We used to go on bow shoots together, uh, target, uh, bow, bow uh, competitions. And <laughs> I won't go into that story, but my sister can tell you that one. But Robbie was a preacher, but he liked to shoot bows, and so he would take me and Derek on these bow conferences. So we were pretty close to Robbie. Well, Robbie's past church, well, he heard I was going to be in town preaching in that church, so he came up there on the mountain. I just happened to be preaching that night. Robbie was there, and I was mentioning a gentleman that we both went to church with by the name of Larry, and I gave you this illustration before. When I was a teenager and senior in high school, I done had my, my life planned, and I was going to go into the Coast Guard. And I hadn't asked God about it. I said, man, I'm doing well. And so I was driving. He was, I've told you all that. You know, he's the one that was driving with the steering wheel. And he was looking through the rear view mirror with them little beady eyes. And I'm in the back. So I'm telling that story at that church. Well, I watched Robbie back there because I had forgotten Larry Deeds has moved from Conway, South Carolina back to Hinton. So he's there and he goes to Robbie's church. So as soon as the church service is over, Robbie comes up to me and says, Ah, I just want you to know something, Brother Mark. As soon as I see Larry, I'm going to tell him that story. That's going to encourage him. 
That was on Monday night. So on Tuesday night, I pull up to this old white church building in the parking lot's gravel and grass. And I pull up and there's this man. I was on the phone with Laura. And I, there was a man that was sitting there. And I said, I think that's Larry Deeds. Well, I don't want to be too nosy and stare and look. So I just get my Bible and I'm getting my coat on. It's cold, wind's blowing, it's like 20 degrees. So I hurry up into the church. And sure enough, I get in the church. And about that time, here walks in Larry Deeds. I ain't seen him in 20 years. And he's the man that was driving in that car that day with them beady little old eyes. And Robbie told him that I had talked about him the night before. And so for the first time in 30 years, 20-some years, I was able to look at that man in the face Give him a hug and tell him, I want you to know I thank God for you. And when I think of things like that, it encourages me. The faithfulness of God's people. Can I just say, look at verse 13. The Bible says, the cloak that I left. Now this is interesting because now here's the human side. Y'all know why he wants the coat? He's cold. He's human. And you know something I've learned? We're all human. We all have physical needs. We all have emotional needs. This man said, look, when you come this way, bring that cloak. Bring that coat because it's a little cold and damp down here. I don't know about you. That just hit me. because that, that just He said, look, I want warmth. I, I want to stay warm. I, I'm thinking about my physical needs. It's cold and damp here. Now, I don't know about y'all, but here, here's the emphasis here. He's getting ready to die. And he's asking for just a little bit of comfort before he does. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Y'all with me? Before we're too hard on people, we need to realize people's human. I've learned this, the older we get, the physical things start to weigh, kind of slide a little bit. Can anybody say amen? amen. Yes. Some of y'all, y'all don't believe in amens in church? <laughs> How many of y'all wish y'all was 20 again? Would you raise your hand? Yeah. <laughs> Some of you say, no, I don't want to be, well, how many would like to be your age but feel like you're 20? Know what you know now, but be 20. Yeah, feel like you're 20. I'm with you. Man, I'm telling you right now. And that's what he's doing. He said, look, you just bring the cloak. And look, I bring that out because, you know, that, that helped me. I really didn't picked up on that until the other day I was reading that. And you said, well, preacher, what are you bringing up? Because he's human. And then I'm going to close. I believe he saved the best for last. Verse 13, the cloak that I left it, trust with Carpus, when thou comest, bring with thee and the books, but look this, but especially the parchments. Y'all know what he's talking about there, don't you? <laughs> the word of God. The scripture. Can I get a witness? Amen. And in long, dark nights, when you're struggling with discouragement, when you're trying to encourage yourself, when you're dealing with faithful friends and they're encouraging you a little bit and you're thinking about people that's wronged you, but man, you're seeing God do something in their heart. You're getting encouraged in that because then you have to go back and think. I'm sure Paul thought, man, 
God was long-suffering with me. He restored me, so I need to get Mark over here because he's doing well as well. I'm sure he was being encouraged, discouraged, sad, and happy. But he said at the end, he said, boys, let me just tell you what I really need. I'm getting ready to die. But he said, I want you to especially bring me the Scriptures. Especially the parchments. Would y'all believe that he saved the best for last? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord Forever. Psalm 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that I will seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me up upon a rock. And now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies. Round about me, therefore, will I offer to his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. When thou sayest, seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, thy face, Lord, will I seek. Hide not my face far from me. Put not thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help. Leave me not, neither forsake me. O God of my salvation, when my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path because of mine enemies. Deliver me not over unto the will of mine enemies, for false witnesses are risen up against me, and such as breed out cruelty. I had fainted unless I had believed to see. Not that he seemed. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Now, I don't know what he read, but I know the Psalms were very important to the Jewish people in that day. And I'm just going to have a sneaky suspicion if he just read those two, those parchments was all he needed. And here's the application. We might not be in a damp, cold jail cell. 
But there's no doubt that we're living in a day that sometimes feels like that. And so let's be human. There's going to be some discouragement. There's going to be some sadness. But we have to encourage ourselves in the Lord. We have to encourage ourselves that He's restored us and forgiven us. We have to encourage ourselves that we have faithful friends. And I thank God He's not left us alone. He's given us the Scripture. And so just a very simple, practical message tonight. Put some flesh on this thing. I don't know where you are tonight, but I'm going to promise you this. He's all you need. Let's ask God to help us. Amen. And let's be real. Let's just be, look. Let's let God use us. Paul showed a human side there that helped me. Depending upon the Lord, depending upon his word to strengthen and comfort him. And I say we've got a world of hurt out there and God's left us here to do our very, very best to encourage them and help them. Amen. If we can't, we don't, who in God's name will. Amen. Let's stand to our feet tonight. As we close tonight, how many of you are thankful that he has forgiven you and restored you? Would you be honest? You raise your hand. All of us are. God help us. How many of you have good memories of faithful friends, faithful servants of God, faithful Christians? Maybe some of them are already in heaven. But when you think of them, when you just... Come to remembrance of them. It encourages your heart. All of us have some of you, don't we? But let's all be thankful we've got the word of God. Amen. I don't know. They're going to play something. Maybe God spoke to your heart in a special way. Maybe you'd like to come and pray. Maybe you'd like to find just your pew there and kneel down in that and pray. I don't know. I don't know how the Lord's dealt with you. But if he has, why don't you just say yes to him? Whatever it is, they're going to play something softly there. Why don't you let the Lord have his way in your heart, your life? Maybe. I thought about that when Larry Deeds come up there that night. I thought, I hope I've lived in such a way that a remembrance of me, it could be an encouragement to somebody, not a discouragement to somebody. And I'll say this, I truly believe in America that, and I know I do, we take having the Word of God for granted. I think of these dear precious uh, men in Kenya, and I'm familiar with many, but Kenya for sure, we're trying to get Bibles to them. We, We give every year to their Bible fund, and I know they try to get a lot of Bibles. But honestly, and we're whittling that down, but a lot of our pastors there, there's one Bible in the whole church. And the pastor has it, and he has to let his members read it, but get it back so he can preach. Think of that. And we have them laying everywhere. So we ought to be thankful for the Scripture. Amen.
Heavenly Father, we come to you tonight. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. And Lord, we do ask you tonight for us to be thankful for the scripture. Lord, if we have faithful friends or faithful servants of God that's been an encouragement to us, I pray you'll help us to be reminded of them, to be encouraged. Lord, we ought to be thankful tonight that we've been forgiven and restored so that we can have that same spirit to others. And Lord, we know that there's also an ugly side to to life. There's sometimes forsaking. There's hurt. Paul felt it. But Lord, he encouraged himself in the Lord and the faithfulness of others. And Lord, most important, the Scripture. I just pray you'll help us all now tonight. Take us home safely. Bring us back the next appointed time. We ask it. In Jesus' precious name and all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great night. Stay dry.